Welcome to the Wisdom Lifestyle Money Show. I'm your host, Scott Dillingham. The goal of the show is to show you how you can grow personally, financially, have a larger net worth, and leverage your largest asset to help you develop the person you want to be. I take you through all the steps I did from being nothing to being told that I was nobody and I was never going to accomplish anything, from getting kicked out of high school to owning a multi-million dollar real estate portfolio in my own company with more than 20 employees. You'll meet our partners, you'll meet our friends, you'll quickly discover how you can improve your life. So listen in and enjoy the show. Hey guys, I'm Kristen. This is the admin edition of the Wisdom Lifestyle and Money podcast. And so I'm Kristen Dillingham, sister of Scott Dillingham. And we also have... Oh, my name is Kayla. And I'm Jillian. And we're here today to talk about the mortgage processes and um, proper documents, what to expect, and a little bit about ourselves before we started working in mortgages. Jillian, to get things started, what have you learned since you started working in mortgages? I, when I first started, I knew nothing about mortgages. So I pretty much started from zero and learned from both you and Kayla and Kristen. I've learned that it's much simpler to get a mortgage than I originally thought, but that's also dependent on your situation as well. What about you, Kayla? I guess to piggyback off that, um, you say it's simple, and I know it does depend on the scenarios. However, it also depends on proper documentation, which we will get to. But... um, before this, I was in medical care and I just learning everything. I started here and now I know the process somewhat. have to go through it myself, but yeah, just learning from Kristen. <laughs> and I had no experience in this field. I too was in healthcare. I started here with Scott when he opened up in 2018 and basically I learned from Scott. By the way, if we say basically a lot, it's our (laughs) go-to word. So like you guys, no experience, but one big thing is um, proper financing. Like instead of buying a car, you could buy a car that maybe is not so expensive and then save that money. That's something I had never done, but now working in mortgages, I learned still learning, but I learned how to budget properly because getting into a home is greater than buying a fancy car every couple of years. And to piggyback off the car, um, everyone always says once you drive the car off the lot, it depreciates in value. But I wish someone told me really why and the other factors too, like a larger car payment really impacts your way of getting financing yeah, so i wish credit. that part was also taught but that's what we're here to bring a few points to you guys so let's talk about the process of applying with lens city mortgages jillian say a new lead comes in what do you do um, the first thing we do is the lead comes in from the agent um, usually a client will contact the agent and then the one of the mortgage agents will send us an onboarding, which has the contact information for all of um, the clients and um, information, what kind of what they want to do, if they're a first-time home buyer, if they're an investor. Um, from there, we send out the application for them to fill out. Um, and then 
we ask them for proper documentation, which I'm sure we'll touch on the list. Um, It's income docs, just so we can get a better picture of where your situation is at. We'll cross-reference that with the application that's completed. And then this is just a gist. Once that's done, the agent will review and then give the client a best idea of where they're at with their mortgage. Now, say I'm applying and I submit a job letter that's handwritten. Is that acceptable? No. Why, Why though? It's from my <laughs> boss. Who cares? <laughs> There's a few factors. Um, one, we could touch on if it's handwritten, did the boss sign it? Um, if they didn't sign it, I know a lot of lenders do require a superior or HR to sign off on the letter. So then we can call and confirm your employment that way as long or as well as the lenders do. Um, what else do we require on the job letter? Title head. Yeah, yeah letterhead. We yeah. want the letterhead or title head or symbol of the company on the right. document to make it more official. Non-editable. <laughs> Is that yeah. a word? <laughs> yeah, if we get a Word document that's editable. Yeah. We can save it as a PDF. However, that means at some point we could have altered the document and typically the lenders will decline it right away. And it kind of looks like you wrote it yourself or something. If someone sends you a Word doc, it's like, who typed this up? (laughs) The main thing, too, with submitting documentation um, that I think everybody needs to know is even though you don't know what the lender is requiring, look at it from that standpoint where the lender doesn't know that's your job. The lender doesn't know those are your bank statements unless your name is on it. They're coming from a very blind perspective of your file. So that's one thing when you're getting this information they want, are you hourly or salary? Do you have a minimum amount of hours? They want to see all this to confirm. And I think with COVID, it really changed all the lenders' policies on what they do want to see on it. And that's why you see some generations say this is so much to ask for. But the policies have changed so much that they all have to assume it's like people are committing fraud not saying everyone is but they have to assume that until they can check out all of your documentation and one catch too if it's over 30 days the lenders typically will ask for an updated job letter some will let it go 60 days but if we are asking you for updated documents and you're thinking i literally just sent them that it's probably because they're over 30 days old and it's not us asking it's the lender that's asking yeah I think that's a big topic. Like, Same with pay stubs. Yeah. A lot of clients think that we're the ones asking when it's actually the lender, the bank that's giving you the money that needs the documentation. Mm-hmm. Same with pay stubs. Uh, when we're looking at a pay stub, we want to see that it has your name on it. It has the employer's name somewhere on it, that the year to date matches up. So if your job letter says you work 80 hours biweekly at whatever wage, we will calculate that based on how many pay periods and if the year to date's low, say it's $4,000 lower than it should be, we will ask, you know, your pay stubs are lower. Was there a reason? Nine times out of 10, people will say, oh yeah, I just took some unpaid time off. I went on an extended vacation. As long as we have an explanation, it's usually okay. Um, But if you're sending us images of pay stubs that are blurry, they're cut off, We will have to come back and ask for better images. So just bear with us on that because the lenders have policies and they need to be able to read the entire document. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) So the next thing I wanted to touch on 
was identification. So we need two pieces of ID, the front and back side. Um, for our compliance reasons, we want to verify it's you. Um, but one catch is we cannot accept health cards. And I think it's because we are not a medical facility, but we can accept any other types of government ID. And a couple of unique ones we've gotten, I received, I believe it was like a hunting license or a, in a gun license. And that was acceptable. Uh, I think it's it's government issue, right? So that makes sense. But we can't accept school IDs or what's one form of ID you guys have received that? We can't accept? That's a good question. Like I we know... get work IDs, but we can't accept those. Yeah, I've gotten a work ID, like an employment card before, and it's yeah. you can't use that. Health cards we delete right away. We're not even supposed to have them in our records. I don't know. I've received marriage license before, but I think we can use that. I'm not... I'm, For ID? Yeah. I'd have to look into that one. Yeah. I've received a marriage license before. But typically, we get SIN cards front and back. Even though the SIN card, the new ones, I don't believe have anything on the back. We still need it. Uh, driver's license front and back, birth certificates. Passport. Yeah, passport. passport. We don't really need the back of the passport. It's literally... No. Just like the cover, like the open, yeah. Yeah, so basically, as long as we have front and back, it's clear. It's perfect. Now, say you're applying with us and you have a large portfolio already. You have multiple properties that are le that are rental properties. What types of documents would we need for that? Um, we usually ask for recent leases. I know that's difficult if there's like month-to-month -month leases, but um, that's from, I don't know, 2017. But in that case, we would ask for... Um, a tenant acknowledgement form to be signed. Um, we also require the T1s um, if you've owned it for more than one or two years, just so we can see the rental income that you record on your T1s. And then along with that, we'll need all the property documents. So we have to make sure that when you fill out the application, everything is... Oh, sorry. We have to make sure that everything is filled out accurately. So that's the mortgage statement, property tax bill. I know there's a few scenarios where clients' mortgage also has the property tax amount combined with it. But what they want to see is the city version of the tax bill to ensure that taxes are up to date. We can go more in depth on that and explain that a bit later. And then, like Jillian said, those lease agreements and the tenant acknowledgement. I know it can be a little bit of a pain in the butt when you have a big portfolio. This is to ensure that when Scott or your agent runs your numbers, everything is ran correct. Because if we don't have those documents, we can't assume because we don't want that on us. But then we also don't want to tell you guys you're pre-approved for X amount. But then when you provide your documents, that's not there to back it up. And we don't want that to hurt the clients. Now, some of the mortgages will report on the Bureau. And if the home is in Windsor, we do have access to the City of Windsor tax assessment page. However, it doesn't show if you owe any back taxes. So the lenders typically won't accept that. But say you have rentals there would be lenders or private that's not going to report on the bureau so that's why we ask for those documents just to ensure that we have the proper numbers and if you have multiple rentals another question we'll ask is if you have a property management company because if you do we have to add that in under like management fees so say the one unit or the one property has two doors on it 
your management fee may be $200 a month, let's say. So we have to add that in. If we find that out after you're approved for a mortgage and the lender re redoes the numbers, adding that new management fee, that could harm your file. So the more you can disclose up front, it is a lot of work, but it'll protect you in the long run because we'll have everything accurate and up to date. So the next topic I have here is why do we need assets list, listed on the application? Oh, like <laughs> we need assets. The lenders want to see, is there anything you can fall back on it? Worst case scenario, is there anything that we can do to help? Maybe there's a debt that you can pay off and that'll bu bump up your purchasing power. Um, so assets really do come in very handy. It could be, do you own vehicles? Do you have like household goods, I guess? that um, There was a scenario where I actually had someone sell off their truck to help their purchasing power. So they just want to see that. Are there any additional savings? So when Scott or the agent runs the numbers, they can grab, well, not grab, but they can say, if we shift this asset to here to help pay some of this off, it bumps it up X amount. Yep. I usually tell the clients, like, give us the best list of assets you have, specifically for closing costs, so the lender knows you have closing costs. Um, I also tell them that it gives Scott or the agent um, some creative ideas in case your ratios are out of line or anything like that. They can kind of be like, like you said, pay off. You have enough money to pay off this debt. We can do that. Or you put more down payment. I know that you have extra savings, some options. And another reason Scott likes to see the assets listed because there's high net worth programs. Now, I don't know all the details of those, <laughs> but if your income is very low, like say you're retired and you're just receiving pension or something like that, but you have millions of dollars saved up that is going to pay you back over time, there's programs for that. So that's like another reason. And like Jillian was saying, for the closing costs, sometimes the lawyer fees or say you're buying a new house, the land transfer tax, those are some unforeseen costs. So if we know that you have a good chunk saved up in savings, like we know that you'll have money on closing and it's not going to be a surprise that, oh, you owe an extra six grand for land transfer. But if you don't have any saved, it's good to have a backup plan. So one other topic I want to touch on is say we're doing a refinance of your home. And we have to order an appraisal because it's required by the lender before they'll fund the mortgage. A couple of things to keep in mind. When an appraiser goes in, they're going to take photos of the condition of your home. So I would recommend cleaning your house. If you have pets and the pets are in the photos, that's <laughs> we like that because sometimes we get to see the, a copy of the report. Sometimes we don't, though. It goes directly to the lender. But keeping your house as clean as possible and if the appraiser comes in and they're like, we don't know if we can get you the value that you're looking for, you can say, you know what? We just redid this room. This has brand new hardwood flooring. It costs us this much. We have this brand new countertop. It's not, um, what's that wood material that I'm thinking of? Just the regular countertops with the like plywood? That, yeah, or the press board wood. I don't know. <laughs> but like, if you have granite countertops versus that's going to help boost the value too. If you have um, little things like that will help boost the value that you can point out to the appraiser when they're like, or if you just got brand new windows, sometimes you can't tell, but you can say, Hey, look, I just put $20,000 worth of 
brand new windows and doors in my home. So those are little things to keep in mind that might help boost the value of your home. I would definitely say the one, yeah, what you touched on, the one thing you can do is if you know the appraisal is happening, make sure your house is clean and tidy. You don't have to go scrubbing floors right. like crazy. You just everything that's out, I would just put in a bin, kind of cover it. No one knows. <laughs> exactly. They're not going to go in all your cupboards or anything. So just, yeah. Yeah, find a closet. Yeah. Put everything in there. The, actually, no, they do take photos of garages too sometimes. Or just cut the grass too. And oh, like yeah. Like it's simple. I know like it's a stressful time. A lot of people are like selling and buying. So I know you're busy, but that little might get you to that value that you do need to get to. Not guaranteeing anything, but, it could but I'm saying it yeah. is beneficial. All right. So I just wanted to thank you guys for just sitting down and listening to us ramble. Although we don't have a lot of great investment advice, we do have some pretty good mortgage experience that we want to continue to share with you guys. So with that, Kayla, take us away. <laughs> or take it away. All right, yeah. So that's it for today. We're going to try and put out more episodes. But if you do have any questions about anything we discussed, don't hesitate to reach out, call, email, stop by within office hours. <laughs> yeah, and we are here to help out and hopefully just bring a different perspective to your whole process to point out these little tips and tricks. If you're serious about real estate investing and you want to take it to the next level with the least amount of time and mistakes, then you're going to want to sign up for our Real Estate Investor Hub. Visit CanadianRealEstateNetwork.com and hit the blue button or banner that says Free Investor Resources. Inside, you'll have access to real estate investing courses, networking opportunities, webinars featuring industry professionals as well as dedicated chat channels to share and get access to unique properties. I look forward to seeing you there.